But very exciting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am here uh, with Ace, otherwise known as Ace Archist. And uh, is this the first podcast you're on, or uh, have you been on other podcasts no, before? No, this is my inaugural podcast. I'm, I'm so very excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, nice. I am very excited to be uh, the first to claim you. You're, you're, <laughs> you're my first. Please be gentle. <laughs> All right, well, I am here with Ace to talk about um, the uh, recent uh, ascent of K2 by Adrian Bellinger uh, without any extra uh, oxygen tanks. Now, what is your opinion of this, uh, this recent feat, Ace? Is, would you say that climbing uh, K2 uh, without extra oxygen bottles is uh, an act of gorism? Yes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and anyone who says no is a fed. <laughs> well, explain yourself. <laughs> well, see, uh, I have no explanation. It's just, it's just reality. Reality, <laughs> reality needs no explanation. It just is. <laughs> this is a good point. Um, I would say that. Um, Maybe climbing it without oxygen would not be um, an act of gorism, but climbing it without a license or a visa would be. Absolutely. Um, although I, I feel like at that point, it's kind of pointless. <laughs> um, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take out the state by climbing the most dangerous mountain in the world. That's, Look, that'll, it's, that'll it's, show them. It's a symbolic <laughs> victory, and that's what really counts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if you ask Freud, uh, <laughs> rock climbers, and especially mountaineers, basically just do what they do out of penis envy. Yeah, of course, uh, which is ever, which is Freud's like, whole check. There's, yeah. there's this... <laughs> yes, yes, because, I mean, there's this huge, vaguely phallic uh, thing here, and you're gonna climb it like you're gonna master it or, or beat it so yes uh, obviously this is uh out of insecurity uh over the size of your own dick so so rock climbers are just terminal masturbators is what you're saying yes gotcha wonderful <laughs> fantastic <laughs> yes um and i would like to add to that that uh chess players uh want to fuck their mothers and kill their fathers Ah, oh, classic Freud. Yes. Um, anyway, Freud aside, uh, <laughs> I have some questions uh, for you. Oh, um, about uh, yes, <laughs> about some ideas that um, one Mister Konkin put forth, uh, and uh, some more work that has been done in regard to that uh, at a later point. Um, and um, I've, I've gone into this with uh, Alex Utopium, who kind of mm -hmm. gave me the basics on agorism. Um, by the way, what is your, what, what is in your mind the correct um, pronunciation? Because I heard I think, you say agorism before. Yeah, I think well, it is agorism. A lot of people very autistically stick to agorism. <laughs> Okay. I think it is agorism, but I, I just don't <laughs> care. It doesn't. It doesn't really, really matter to me. Agorism, agorism. <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter to be honest. 
Although I'm sure there's that's someone who's going to listen like... and going to scream at me because <laughs> I said agorism. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anarchists are kind of autistic already. Yes. And then agorism or agorists are yet more autistic. So I am, I am slightly shocked that you are not that bothered by the correct pronunciation. <laughs> like there's always going to be a black sheep in every family. It happens sometimes. Some just don't care. <laughs> they just move on. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Um, so my basic understanding of agorism um, boils down to roughly two things. One, um, there is the intent to um, essentially uh, uh, dismantle the state through counter-economics, mm-hmm. which is basically anything, any economic interaction uh, in which the state is somehow cut out um, or, or does not derive any benefit. Um, and then the other thing is um, that it has a, a developed an understanding of markets or, or a system of markets, uh, which is essentially based on how they interact with state. So there's like black, gray, white, red, and pink, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, so white is basically, if I remember correctly, anything uh, legal and very much approved by the state. Gray is anything, well, that's not specifically illegal, um, but not quite approved by the state either. Right. Black market is mostly just straight up illegal shit. Uh, and then your pink market. Uh, now, the, the red and pink markets are where I get a bit confused. So if you could give me a, a quick refresher on those, uh, sure. that would be, uh, I think, a good place to start. Sure. Uh, so the red market would be something that's just that's wrong that Konkin like wrong by libertarian standards, right? And illegal. So that would be like putting mm-hmm. a hit on someone, like a hit right. hiring a hitman, right? A pink market would be something mm-hmm. that's wrong but is legal by the state. So that would be like mur- well, war ah, or something I like see. that. Yeah. Right. Check. Um. So. Uh, this is all pretty clear to me and i have no issue with this i think it's um i think there's debate to be had about the effectiveness of um uh, counter economics and we may or may not get into it um but that's not where i want to go with this episode um because from what i see at this point uh this doesn't really deviate all that much from uh, just kind of basic bitch anarcho-capitalism apart from that it has a few things a bit more worked out um, but there is it is entirely compatible essentially so what I want to know is what specifically um, deviates uh, agorism from anarcho-capitalism Oh, uh, fantastic. Um, I, I would say that, uh, as you mentioned, it, a lot of it is strategy, right? Like, in, like, but mm-hmm. agorists do differ in theory a little bit. So one, um, agorists are generally considered left libertarians or sometimes considered left market anarchists. Um, 
And basically the whole mm -hmm. difference between them and anarcho-capitalists specifically is um, uh, just the way they view a free market looking in general. Like the, and sometimes right. and I'm, I don't want to say like all ANCAPs because I know there's a lot of ANCAPs who don't no, say this stuff, but some ANCAPs will kind of look at the market and they'll look at like, let's say Amazon right now. Am, I'm not saying Amazon's bad or evil or anything like that. Uh, something mm -hmm. like Am it would be, I think uh, the agorists and left market anarchists understand that it would be hard to have a corporation in uh, in a completely free market like Amazon, because even though they do produce a lot of good things and mm -hmm. they make a lot of our lives better, a lot of um, a lot of the systems in place, uh, specifically put in by the state, have uh, fostered their growth, right? And the agorists tend to see that. Well, right. you know, you would have uh, more horizontal um, associations, so less hierarchical and more horizontal associations like worker co-ops, uh, things like that, right? So th they see the market mm -hmm. looking much less hierarchical. They're not saying that it's, they're not like um, saying it's inherently bad, hierarchy is inherently bad if it's voluntary, but they're saying that um, uh, mm -hmm. it, it it would just, the, the market itself would just uh, coalesce into a more like horizontal, like flat structure, not completely, but generally speaking, like right. right. theorized about instead of people being wage laborers, they would be uh, independent contractors, like for jobs and um, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So I would say that's probably the main difference in their theory. Uh, in, in like, the, it's not really much theory, just how the theory will manifest ultimately in a free market. But yeah, that that's right. about mostly just the, uh, how the market would look specifically. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, honestly, essentially, if I understand it correctly, um, the main concern of Gorist, uh, much like um, ANCAPs, would be just voluntary association. Uh, and then from there, it would be preferable if um, the market organized in a more horizontal way uh, with with less um, corporations and such. But there's not really uh, an enforcement aspect to it. Yeah, no, be, it's uh, not an correct estimation. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's not enforced. And I don't know, I can't speak much to like, if that's their preference. It usually is like, I'm going to speak a little bit for them. But usually, most agorists I tend to see generally do prefer sure. like a decentralized, uh, like, like, uh, natural order, spontaneous order type of uh, deal where people just naturally, uh, and they don't think the theory is that um, in a completely freed market, you'd have you'd have all these more options, and you maybe a person wouldn't want to be a wage worker type of thing, right? So they might not the um, mm -hmm. the structure of the market might look different based on people's preferences given more options in the market. So like you would uh, uh, right. So if, if, if the market was opened up yeah. more, a lot of like things that we think are standard for a market, like wage labor, is one of them. Uh, a lot of these things, mm -hmm. and Konkin points this out a bit. This is why I actually forgot to mention before. Um, uh, because Konkin famously calls wage labor wage slavery, and that's been like a big debate. He doesn't mean it in the Marxist sense, where it's like they're actually stealing your labor. What he really means is um, right. that this is actually a thing for Bastiat, right? The seen versus the unseen is that all these state interventions into the market actually crowd out other options that would be available if not for the state. So in some sense, 
the market is an exploited market because we're everyone's working in a market that would not arise naturally in a, in a if it was just a completely freed market from the ground up type of thing. The, what what the market we have today mm-hmm. is specifically a state market, and it's not it's not really um, realistic to assume this market would look exactly like it does uh, uh, in a free market, the market we have today. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, now, uh, I, hmm, how do I say this? Uh, so we talked a little bit about this on Discord, and one of the things you mentioned to me is that uh, Gore is essentially uh, a lot more skeptical towards hierarchy, mm-hmm. uh, or, or hierarchy, or whatever you Americans call it. Agorism, um, agorism, <laughs> who cares? And... Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> um, now I I share this uh, skepticism, but I think I, I shared in a slightly or from a slightly different aspect than uh, Goris because mm-hmm. my impression is uh, that agorists tend to come from a uh, an, an, well, not quite Marxist, but an almost a bit more of a leftist-like um, uh, perspective when it comes to hierarchy. So basically the idea that hierarchy is not preferable because the, the relation there isn't good, etc., etc., uh, whereas the way I see it is that uh, lots of hierarchy creates lots of bureau- bre- what the fuck American American words are hard uh, <laughs> creates lots of your bu- bu- bureaucracy yeah yeah wow <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, lots of bureaucracy leads to an extremely inefficient company yes um, and bureaucracy is is uh, created significantly sooner than later. So the more independently uh, and the more equally uh, different uh, different parts of an organization, or different members of an organization can act from each other, uh, the more efficient it will be and the more able it will be respond to the market. Yeah, yeah, that um, I, I there are certain agorists that are definitely like the left wing types where they are, they do send, tend to see hierarchy as uh, they're skeptical towards it. And I'm kind, I kind of have a, an inclination towards that, but I'm not completely there. Um, uh, but no, what you said is absolutely mm-hmm. correct, though, too. I know a lot of agorists also uh, bring that point up is that bureaucracy it tends to um, uh, tends to lead to inefficiency a lot of the time. Right. So sometimes. There is a, uh, uh, yes. a something called diseconomies of scale, where sometimes the uh, uh, a certain firm will grow so large that it will actually misallocate its own resources so just because of the huge bureaucracy it has, and it has to funnel mm-hmm. all the information down instead of a more vertical, or I'm sorry, more yes, horizontal exactly. uh, uh, way. So yeah, it can it can definitely lead to inefficiency there. So yeah, I 100% agree with that. All right. Uh, that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's uh, that's good to know. We're basically on the the, the same line of thought uh, there. 
Um, now, uh, I know a few ANCAPs, Derek, <coughs> um, <laughs> that tend to have, uh, uh, let's say, issues with uh, agorists. Uh, sure. And I wonder, I mean, it's, it's the same way around. Uh, let's not mention the voluntary contrarian. <coughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, the the two don't always uh, mix and match very well. Um, which I mean, I'm just an alcoholic talking shit, so I mix and match <laughs> very well with everyone. Um, uh, but I don't quite understand where this uh, breakdown in communication originates from, because the way I see it, these uh, these these ideologies seem completely compatible. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I, I'm all. I've also been wondering the same thing because I I always see agorists and other libertarians sometimes going at it on Twitter or whatever, right? And I'm I'm always like curious exactly what yes. the issue is. I think a lot of it has to do with aesthetic, and not necessarily the principles. Um, and agorism isn't. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like the way I view agorism is it's not necessarily for everyone. And I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not someone who's going to shame people for not being agorists or anything like that. Right. But it definitely does like, uh, uh, like have this, well, it does, it's not inherent to it, but it does have this lifestyle with it where it's just like go off in the woods and, you know, which I think sounds great, but you know, it's not for everyone, <laughs> you know, kind of yes. uh, do your own thing. But, um, um, I, it would have to, I'd have to know exactly what specifically like, uh, people who, like have problems with aggressive what they explicitly mean what their explicit problems are but uh, uh i i generally think like the, okay so uh i i'm not i don't want to throw shade there uh some i've noticed like a lot of times hoppians uh and then agorists will go at it and i think and, and i'm not making a value judgment here yes. but i'm just saying that uh some of them Tend, some of the hoppians tend to believe in a more structured order like in form of a covenant community and the agorists tend to view more of mm-hmm. a spontaneous order with like decentralized c- communities just spontaneously rising up, whereas the Hoppians tend to want a more mm-hmm. structured order. And if that's what they want, that's fine. I'm not going to like criticize them for that. I tend to lean more towards the agorist side of that issue. But uh, I-, I think that kind yes. of is uh, the difference. It's more of a cultural clash than it is like a principled thing. Because I-, I see agorism as completely consistent with libertarian ideology. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you won't throw any shade at Hopkins, but I will. Um, okay. Good, I'm glad. I, I'm glad you've seen them arguing on Twitter. <laughs> because Jesus fucking Christ, these people are so fucking. They're they're so preoccupied with I don't know being utter retards. Um, they remind me a lot of the old right in the way they yeah. they get their panties completely in a twist about anything they consider degeneracy. Right. Uh, or, or that's just like how do I say this? Basically, anything outside of uh, their 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 complete trad idea of like some fucking Aryan guy having his perfect Aryan wife cook for him at all days, <laughs> having five and a half children, uh, and and doing nothing but praying to the fucking Lord all day uh, is degeneracy to them. Uh- I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> what the fuck is the point of this? Right, right. And look, and then oh, if you ahead. ask them, <laughs> if you ask them, uh, because they have problems with homosexuals, of course, 
uh, which is, I don't know how much of this is Hope's fault and how much of it is their own sexual insecurities fault. Um, but if you ask them, like, what is the, the um, harm that a homosexual does by fucking another man um, consensually? Well, it's degeneracy and harm society. Yeah. How about go fuck yourself? Like, right. That's that's a fucking non sequitur and a half. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, it, it's like because Hoppe does mention this, right? He he, Hoppe when he's uh, mm-hmm. in democracy. I think it's democracy. The God failed. Oh boy, if I mess that up, I'm going. <laughs> oh, the Hoppians are going to be all over me. Um, <laughs> I think it's in that book that he specifically talks about um, how uh, certain covenant communities in a libertarian order. Uh, like he specifically talks about like how if you have a conservative cover- covenant community, you're uh, you'll be able you want to physically mm-hmm. remove and by physically remove he doesn't mean helicopters that's like that's like an alt right <laughs> he he means just ostracize them right but he he says uh, yes. for a conservative for a libertarian conservative order which he he says libertarianism is conservative and that's a whole big debate I kind of disagree on right there but um, besides with that. Uh, he, he kind of formulates in the sense that if there's like uh, communists, uh, gays, um, Democrats, and some some others that he mentions that, and he's just giving an example. <laughs> he's not saying. I, I want to be clear. He's not yes. saying that uh, uh, that libertarianism itself is against any of these things, like people having thoughts or expressing their beliefs in that way. Yes. He's just saying if if you had a covenant community that had those specific values, then the covenant community could physically remove them. Okay, fair enough. The but but the, going back to your original point, the Hoppians tend to take this and they they tend to stretch it. And not all Hoppians, right? I know a lot of Hoppians who are really cool. Uh, mm. uh, some of the Hoppians tend to stretch this to the point where uh, they try to. It's kind of a form of entryism, in my opinion, where they kind of insert their own ideology underneath an already existing ideology and try to transform it into something else. Right. Where, they try to make it like, well, you have to be a socially con- social conservative in some sense. And then, mind you, that to be an equal opportunity critic, there's people on the left who think that you can't be a social conservative and a libertarian. <laughs> That's nonsense. Uh, uh, but yes, oh, we'll, so, get, we'll get to the left. Oh, oh <laughs> okay. I just want to be make sure I'm not just picking on hobbies here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, some, yeah, some of them uh, kind of think, well, you know, the only way a libertarian order will be able to survive is with a conservative value set, essentially. And I, I disagree with that. I think that's just an assertion, right? And I, I just, I don't buy that. I'm not sold on that, quite frankly. So I think a lot of what they do is just... Uh, yeah, uh, they it's like, look, if you have those values, that's perfectly fine. If you want to live with other people who share your values, I have nothing against that. But this constant like bickering, uh, yes. talking about degeneracy and talking about how agorists are degenerate. It's like this is so stupid to me. It's like these people share 95 percent of your values and it's and the agorists too. agorists can pick on Hoppians, too. I'm not I, I don't want to come across as, you know attacking just one side mm-hmm. but this whole back and forth bickering i think is just stupid in general because it's like for one no the just because just because agorists don't support like or just don't want gen in general speaking in general agorists don't generally seem to be the type to want yes. to be in a covenant community they would rather have a spontaneous order type of thing but uh 
Uh, yeah. The Hoppians just do not like this, and that's fine, right? That's fair. That's their own personal choice. But I, I don't mm-hmm. understand why there must be like you know, it, it must be the end of the world if um, yeah. one person wants to live a different way and another person wants to live a different way, right? As long as you can peacefully coexist, it should not matter. Like like this should not. This has been the whole. That's been the whole thing of libertarianism, right? Is that we can peacefully coexist without killing each other. Yeah, and we can live our own way, and that that should be fine, <laughs> right? That so uh, these debates usually pretty kind yes. of confuse me. So yeah, yeah, um, I I get you on that. Uh, mostly, uh, I I find it. Uh, what's it? The uh, I I have more understanding or sympathy for uh, ancoms than for the kind of Hoppians I've seen arguing on Twitter. Um, oh. Because the way I see it, uh, with with ANCOMs and such, we're operating on fundamentally different values and fundamentally different definitions of words even. Yes. Um, which we'll get to that. Uh, so that makes a, a mutual understanding much, much harder already. But, I mean, Hoppians, they, or or the retarded 13-year-olds that we've seen yeah, yeah, on Twitter. That's probably uh, <laughs> <laughs> They operate under the same definitions as we do. They have the same conception of liberty, same mm-hmm. conception of equality, etc., 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 they are just, uh, they just have a hate boner for what they call degenerate. Uh, and I just cannot wrap my mind around the, uh, the, 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 the entire degeneracy argument. Right. Like what, okay, you have, homosexuality is one of the worst things to, to them. Yeah. Uh, oh, slip there, but <laughs> um, I mean, what, what I, they they say society is harmed if uh, a man and another man eat love. The quote Eminem. <laughs> um, what what the fuck harm does that do to society? Like, the way I see it is. Let's say, right, we have two options. Either um, this homosexual gets involved with another homosexual and they do their homosexual things like homosexuals do, or he gets involved with a woman uh, or a man if this homosexual is a woman. Uh, Anyway, someone of the opposite gender. (laughs) Um, And they get into a marriage and they have five and a half kids. Well, I mean... Now you're going to have someone who is uh, completely fucked up emotionally and mentally because right. they're acting completely against their own uh, instincts, essentially. Yeah. Like, this is not healthy for you. We see this with uh, homosexuals who have been in uh, traditional marriages and it's not, like, psychologically healthy for them. Oh, yeah. Strangely. I don't know how this could possibly be. Uh, you know, acting against one's nature and all, but you know, I'm I'm not Freud, so I won't I won't uh, make my own diagnosis here. <laughs> um, so, 
the other option is that they get involved in a homosexual marriage or homosexual relationship and they remain remain psychologically fine uh, they remain economically productive citizens um, they will either uh, practice their agorism or pay their taxes or whatever anyway they'll be a lot more a lot better and a lot more useful individual uh, in this way so I I don't see where the harm to society is done. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, I'm, it, it, I'm it, just a retarded degenerate. So, <laughs> well, that means you're ahead of the curve. It's fine. Yeah. I think it's just a cultural uh, clash, right? Like, like this whole, as you said, it, it can't be psychologically good for these people to live um, in bad faith, essentially. Right. Uh, opposite of their values. Yes. Uh, it also begs the question, like, what is society, right? And I know Hoppians get real mad when I do this, but like, you know, what is society? It, to me, <laughs> society only makes sense as an abstract aggregate of all the people who make it up. It, it's not a, a separate entity. And I, 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 I don't think I, this should be controversial to libertarians, right? <laughs> this should not be a, a big uh, shock or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, for, but for them, they do want to make a covenant community where it's like they have a specific set of rules. And if you break these rules, they can ostracize you out of the community. Okay, fair enough. But I, I don't understand this insistence to constantly call people degenerates. That's the craziest thing to me on Twitter, right? When you see these people. And not all, mind you, I want to put it out. Hashtag not all Hoppians, right? It's, it's, I'm not, I, I know a lot of Hoppians <laughs> who are good. And, and a lot of these other Hoppians seem to be like uh, reactionary types, right? They, they like to just, um, you know, stir the pot type of thing, right? Which, okay, the, fair mm-hmm. enough, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it, it uh, the, Okay, if they just made their case where it's like, okay, we want a covenant community and we just want to associate, fine. I might disagree with your values and I might not want anything to do with your covenant community. But at the very least, right, you're honest and you're respectful, right? You're res- you're respectful about your beliefs. But calling people degenerates and how degeneracy must not be tolerated or something like that, it's just like, you know, you're going as far into authoritarian beliefs without actually doing it, which is good. I'd rather have you like just LARP as an authoritarian type figure rather than actually, you know, <laughs> doing authoritarian things. But, you know, it's uh, it's just kind of silly to me. I, I try not to take them too seriously when they start pulling that. Right. But and Hoppe is Hoppe does not do this. Hoppe I, uh... Degeneracy like one time or a couple times. Uh, but his version of degeneracy, he's explained this before, is basically any act that can't be supported without taxpayer funds. That that's his version of degeneracy. So people read Hop and they think he means Oh, well, like, that is a, yeah. yeah. So people read Hop and they think he means degeneracy and they think that means oh, their definition of degeneracy. No, no. Hoppe is talking about basically right. things that can't be uh, can't can would not be able to last in a uh, in a free market environment in a voluntary scenario. That is a radically different uh, <laughs> notion of degeneracy. Yes, like that's uh, yeah, that's um, uh, how do we say it? Uh, I mean, I hadn't considered this definition before, even until you just told it to me. Yeah. Um, I am going to have to think about that for a while. Um, but that does bring me to another question. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is not about incomes, actually. <laughs> um, you are, uh, let's say, quite well informed when it comes to the opinions of, uh, well, basically all of the uh, anarchist uh, or, or, or libertarian uh, philosophers or, or writers or thinkers or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Oh, thank you. I really Let's just say nerds. <laughs> yeah, nerds. <laughs> well, <laughs> how did you become such a fucking nerd? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, that is also a question, but just how, how did you uh, 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 like get into all of this? Oh, that's a really good question. So uh, I've always been kind of like a political person, like even very, very young, like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. like Fox News was always on oh, my wow. house. And through a, through a specific mm-hmm. chain of events, I found Judge, the first person who really got me into this was Judge Napolitano because he was on Fox News all the time and that's how I discovered him. And uh, oh, I right. don't remember exactly what happened, but I know I found Tom Woods from Judge Napolitano. And then from there, it's a huge rabbit hole where I just started like, you know, uh, doing oh, all yeah. these things where like I got into Larkin Rose for a, a bit, um, all these things and just reading and reading and reading. And I got really, really into it for a long time. Uh, and I just picked, I just kept trying to pick up knowledge of it. So it, it always kind of interested me in that sense, one of my interests. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess now I'm just here. After I, I've probably been an anarchist for about <laughs> uh, eight, nine years, I'd say. All right. So, uh, if I hear a story, you came to anarchy very much from the right. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I was basically, a, I was basically, uh, I, I would never call myself conservative, but I was like, a, I would define myself probably closer to mm-hmm. a classic liberal. Like, I was never socially conservative personally, right? Uh, so, I was probably closer to a classic liberal. Right. Or, what sometimes it's called a constitutional conservative that kind of stays away from social issues. So I kind of came from that area. Ah, interesting. Um, yeah, I think I, uh, I might set up my own ideology. I might just become a, an anarcho, an anarcho roganist, um, <laughs> with the conviction that, uh, well, basically just regular anarchist principles and be, uh, Everyone should get absolutely shit-faced and do a hefty dose of psycho- psychedelics at least once in their life. Uh, <laughs> That's and then, the anarcho-trans. You know, develop all of your... Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I took a shot. They're ahead of me already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I want to, I want to talk to... Uh, Maybe the anarcho-trans... What the fuck even is anarcho-transhumanism? The, well, the transhumanist part is basically that they're going to... Um, uh, basically, we're going to evolve from our bodies into more like cybernetic advancements. And the kind of the end goal of um, uh, transhumanism is immortality through cybernetics, essentially. It sounds very sci-fi, and it is, right? But uh, their Sick. whole deal is wanting to uh, <laughs> essentially... Like, uh, like, they're very much into this like cyberpunk thing where you'll, um, you know... Uh, your limbs will sometimes be replaced by augmentations, like uh, technological augmentations, like sci-fi stuff, right? So, yeah. Is there, uh, do you know if there's like a specific anarcho-transhumanist Twitter? Uh, I've run into a couple anarcho-humanists, but I don't think there's a specific, I I have never run into like a specific clique of transhumanists. 
like on Twitter personally. I, I'm sure they're there, but I've just never been in their circles. You know what I want to hear? I want to hear a debate between a narco-transhumanist and an Anprim. <laughs> yes, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, that'd be so great. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> we need at least <laughs> at least a third axis on the political spectrum just uh, for like the transhumanist and and uh, and prim kind of types because i would bet that on the regular two-dimensional spectrum they fall right next to each other but <laughs> yes it, it seems to me these people are just they're they they have to be mortal enemies <laughs> yeah, no, really, really. Yeah, I would say they probably fall into like the bottom left quadrant of the political uh, uh, part. But it, yeah, you're right. They're they're vile enemies. Yeah, probably. Like, well, <laughs> one's a technologist, <laughs> one's a luddite, and, and th- these things can't coexist. <laughs> Holy shit, man! Holy fuck! Is there how many and prims do you know? Oh, I know very few. Apart like, from honestly, it, it will. <laughs> I know very few anprims. There's a lot. I know a lot more of, about green anarchism than I do anprims. But I, I, to be honest, I've never gotten to anprim that much. I, I've only seen anprim uh, like um, as a joke, as an ironic joke. I've ne- and that's not to say if there's any anprim listeners, I'm not saying <laughs> you're a joke. I, I'm saying I've only seen others presented <laughs> as a joke. So, well, I'll I'll tell any anprim listening right now, you're not a real libertarian. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would imagine there's not a lot of endprims on Twitter at all, though. I mean, I, I would I mean, suppose yeah, they're that's a good point. fucking off right. in the woods and, and hunting a boar there, with there their bare be, hands or there something. There could be millions of them, and we don't know. There could be a huge army of them, right? And oh, they're just shit, off man. the grid. Think about <laughs> that. Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Hillbillies are just ant prims, <laughs> but they're just really good at hiding. Yeah. Oh God, we're gonna make so many people mad. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> your first, your first podcast, and you're already pissing yes, people off left and right. <laughs> when this goes out, I'll have like uh, 500 Twitter notifications again, like that time I stirred up the communists. On Twitter. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy fuck, man. All right. Uh, I think the time has come to talk about commies. Yo, <laughs> one. Um, because commies, <laughs> uh, they fascinate me. Um, because I, um, well, for one, I don't, I don't understand them. Secondly, our definitions of a whole bunch of shit are completely different. Right. And there's just... Uh, I, I Most of all, what I don't understand is how they think they are going to achieve their goals without a mon- monopoly on violence. Um, because the, the enforcement aspect of, of most of the things I've heard them say seems fairly impossible without a hefty amount of uh, violence to, to back it up. Um, but I have a feeling that you know a little bit more about them 
than I do. So what is your impression yeah, of ANCOMs and of their beliefs? And yeah. Um, so for, for ANCOMs, it, okay. So uh, let me just define anarchism as I see it. Right. Uh, and I'll contrast it with like mm-hmm. the ANCOMs for me, anarchism specifically, it means if we go back to the etymological definition of the, of the word originally, uh, it means no rulers. And I would define a ruler as anyone who initiates coercion on another person to dominate them to their will. Right. So this uh, in the definition is implied uh, again. You, there's a norm implied in the anarchist definition against coercion. Now, surprisingly, the aner- the an- yes. a lot of the ancoms will actually agree with this. So the, they'll, they'll agree on the starting point, but they they see the coercion as any type because, because uh, as an ancap or something right would see coercion as you know putting a gun to someone's head or threatening their property if they don't do what that person says. That's obvious plain coercion. The communists consider yes. uh, many more things coercive, like uh, if you accept a, wa- a job, right? If you accept a job, like for a wage, right? This is coercive because yes. uh, if you don't, uh, if um, if you don't work for this person, they'll, you'll starve. Essentially, is their claim, right? This is the work or die problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So the re- the reason they like, and if they were right, they w- it would make sense. Like if I, I disagree with that version of coercion, but if it was true they would be correct, actually. So uh, yes. uh, it, it would be like, imagine for it, for like maybe right anarchists to understand this a little better. Imagine if someone stole your food out of your house and then said, I'll give it back to you if you work for me. That Every right anarchist would see that as coercion. Well, they the, the left anarchists yes. or the commies tend to see things in a positive right sense where they think you'll ha- you have a right to this food no matter like just by existing essentially just by right. uh, and essentially what the capitalist is doing in their in their perspective i'm not saying this you know i i'm arguing from their perspective yes um what they what they say is that well because the capitalist is withholding this you're coercing them into working for you so they see it as a coercive relationship between the ah. the wage labor and the uh, uh capitalist essentially so uh uh, yeah, that's right. basically their main starting point. And, and once you understand that, everything they say does make sense. I just think it's wrong, like from their premise. But it, it does make sense in their oh, logic. Oh, yes, I agree with you entirely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, from, from this, uh, how does it, I mean, I can see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I understand the, I understand how this way, um, it would seem, uh, how do I say it? It would seem unjustified to make someone work for a living, essentially. But uh, what is, um, man, how do I? So the way I conceptualize this is, and I'm pretty sure many people who are more from the right do this, um, is I'm, I'm like, Look, if you strip away everything, we just put you in your bare ass in the middle of fuck off nowhere. Okay, so now what's going to happen? You're going to have to work to get food. Like, you're going to have to actually do shit to uh, obtain uh, uh, food to, to survive. Right. So, does this make nature oppressive? Right. Right. Like, is, is existence oppressive by nature? It's just, and then is your ideology, I guess, a 
a way to fix that or what what is the um the the idea about this yeah uh this is actually really interesting and this is what i usually hit them with is that you know uh it's not the capitalist that is the one forcing you to work, right? He's not the, if the capitalist was somehow, you know, some magic wizard and he was the one uh, creating entropy and he was making your body degrade over time, then yeah, he, you would be right. He would be the aggressor. Uh, but uh, that's not how it works. Nature is always trying to kill us. So in some sense, nature is coercive. Uh, you know, even if we, maybe we can grant them that, maybe. Uh, it's, not, it's not an entity. It's not like an, uh, it doesn't have a will or an agency that we know of. Uh, but, no. uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's always trying to kill us, but that doesn't make the, the relationship between that. Is, like if, if I agree to work for someone and they'll give me some, they'll give me some food in relate in, uh, you know, in exchange for working for them. Uh, in some sense you could say you're still under a coerced position because nature is always coercing you, but it's not the person offering you the exchange that's coercing you. It's uh, nature itself. Right. Even if we mm -hmm. grant them that. Uh, it, it would also yes. be, um, this is also, if I can jump to a slightly different point, which commies make is that, um, they'll say, right, yes. this is the, yes. the labor theory of value where they'll say that, well, you know, you, uh, ah, right. you'll have, uh, you know, you're owed the, the, the products, uh, the fruits of your labor essentially. Right. Um, uh, and this is, this is also getting into where I see them in, in inconsistency popping up is they'll say, well, you own the fruits of your labor. Or they'll say you you get you should get the value specifically from it, but you know mm -hmm. if they'll also say that if you have excess of something, if you have excess of food mm -hmm. that you're not you're not eating or something, right? Then it would be justified for someone else who needs it more to come and take it. Well, that seems to me to also be robbing me of the of my value, the fruits of my labor, from that perspective. So yes. it seems to be there's two contradictory claims here by the communists. On, on that front uh uh and i yeah yeah uh so uh going back to the nature part um yeah even if we grant them that it is coercive it still doesn't follow from that that uh therefore uh no voluntary exchanges should be legitimate right it, it doesn't really follow that well nature is coercing <laughs> yes. us so therefore there are there's no possibility of um uh a voluntary you know relationship that is for even for barter right even if i if we take their claim to the logical yeah. conclusion if i have food and i say i'll give you this food if you give me something else they would see that as coercive too because i'm i this from their perspective that person has a right to eat that person has a right to the food right and they're, right. they're essentially holding it yes. hostage so that's kind of the logical conclusion of their claims um so go ahead uh I don't want to, to cut you off here, but if oh, I no, understand no, no, correctly, yeah. uh, um, uh, ideally, to an outcome, um, everyone would just kind of give each other anything they need at any time uh, without expecting anything back from it. So let's say we are in like a, I don't know, commune of 10 people, um, and uh, I well, I mean, I own it is already a bit of a problem, but let, let's conceptualize it in a way that, that my uh, half-assed mind can get. So I own 10 chickens. Right. As a result of owning 10 chickens, I get a fucking shit ton of eggs. Um, 
And at some point, you come up to me and you're like, hey, man, I'm hungry because I need food. I'm like, all right, here, have 20 eggs. And you're like, thanks, man. <laughs> and at some other point, uh, let's say you own uh, several jalapenos because, I mean, you're, an, you're an agorist, so you're going to take down the state by growing jalapenos. Um <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, I need spice for my eggs. You're like, yeah, man, here, have some jalapenos. And there's no um, expectation, essentially, that you get anything back from it. It's just like your fellow human needs a thing, so and you have a thing, so you're going to supply him with said thing. Right. Yeah, they, um, they take... Would that be uh... the, the ideal state? Yeah. Yeah. So basically from their conception is the, um, they talk a lot about post-scarcity, right? And what they mean by that is they mean um, uh, a certain commune, right? Or something like that would be so self-sufficient that scarcity would essentially like not be a thing, right? So essentially um, you wouldn't actually own mm-hmm. those eggs. Essentially you would um, uh, you would just help produce them. And then when someone needs them, they just come and take them, right? right? Essentially, that's that's kind of the idea. Yeah. And essentially, it's that everyone is making for everyone else uh, in a certain uh, certain fashion, right? So like, uh, and <laughs> this is also something I find a little funny is that uh, I, I had a communist on Twitter tell me, um, uh, after arguing with communists all day, uh, this was like a couple weeks ago, about how the wage <laughs> relationship is coercive because you can't because you, a person needs to eat and that you're withholding resources. And I asked this one commie, well, what happens if you don't work in a commune? And they basically said, oh yeah, you you, can't, you, you might not eat. So it, it it still seems that the work or die problem still exists. Under okay, commune, but Wait, that yes. uh, yeah, <laughs> so, so that that was interesting. Um, uh, but sorry, to go back to your point. I kind of sidetracked there. To go back to your point, they essentially see it as um, <laughs> uh, going, uh, having a self-sufficient commune, and essentially you might labor, you might, you know, have some chickens that produce eggs one day. This person might have a work on, you know, a farm, and he may have some wheat, right? And people can come and take as they wish, essentially, right? Essentially, if someone, and, and mm-hmm. some of them might say, like, like, here's the thing, like a lot of them from my personal experience don't have, don't, aren't always consistent on this. Sometimes they'll say, well, you have, uh, you own enough to sustain yourself. So if you labor for something, you own that which you need to sustain yourself. But if you have excess more than you need, that's free game, right? So that that's what others can come and take yep. essentially. Yeah. So that's basically their their framework. Mm-hmm. That's their general framework. Right. That makes um, that makes some sense to me. Uh, I mean, I I can like understand the whole thought process behind that. Um, and it's not illogical. It's wrong, Yeah. <laughs> but it's not illogical. <laughs> um, so, uh, fuck, I had a question and it slipped my mind. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, that's not your fault. That's not me. Um, holy shit, where? Okay, well, next question. Um, exactly how did you become an agorist because you you i don't know got into a bunch of shit and what is your uh yeah your your oh fuck i have it again i'm sorry for for cutting you off there no problem and for cutting myself off as well (laughs) um how 
can can communists um, coherently answer the question how the value that you create in your work is calculated? Because oh, if I look great. at my own job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, calculating the monetary value of what I do is going to be very hard because I work between eight and 10 hours a day. And I spend a lot of time sitting on my ass uh, on Twitter. I spend some time uh, carrying bottles to and from fridges. I spend some time yelling at people for uh, climbing and belaying unsafely. I spend some time giving training. I spend some time uh, instructing people. And people, I mean, they pay a certain amount for an instructor. I think that is possibly the easiest part to calculate. Mm -hmm. What is the value I bring through my instruction? Because that's 25 euro, because people trade pay 25 euro for a mm -hmm. lesson. Yeah. Or is that the value? Because there's some well, some questions there as well. But then, I, I not to cut you off still, but oh, no, it seems very hard to me to, to calculate the value of my work. Say I give trading, right? People mm -hmm. pay a subscription of about 60 euro a month to climb with us. And within that time, they don't only go to my training. They do a bunch of other shit. But so how much of this 60 euro that they pay am I entitled to? So they would, yeah, this is interesting, right? Uh, so it, it's easier from to conceptualize this when if you just like do a, like, of course, if you just like were to do a manual labor, like if you were just like a wage worker or something producing a product, uh, yes. they would say that the, the actual value that you produced, what they, essentially they, the, what they say is like, let's say you have a, a bunch of workers, right? And you have the boss and the boss, the bunch of workers make the product and then the boss sells it, puts it on the market to sell. Uh, the selling, they, they would say a lot of times the selling price is actually what, or what it sells for is actually the value or, or the, the value that, um, it, sorry, sorry. It, it, that's the actual value of it, which is the selling <laughs> price, right? But what the what the boss keeps in profit, that is the stolen way. That's the that's the theft in their view, right? What the the profit right. the boss keeps. So because they they think, well, he didn't make it, right? He didn't had, uh, and you know, there's a huge debate. Well, does the boss actually contribute? Does he not? You know, all that. Um, but the yes. boss did not make the product, right? So they, they would see that as the theft. Now, going back to your main question, how much would that be calculated uh, in your job? That is actually that that's one of my critiques as well, is that it's extremely confusing. And a lot of the times what the communists will tell you, they'll default to this position is that, well, we'll have, you know, because every, everything in them is there's no boss right in uh, communism. So they'll say, yeah. well, instead, we'll have these democratically uh, uh, like meetings of people and we'll de we'll decide democratically how we will assign these resources. Right. So sometimes uh, there's no quick answer for them exactly how much like uh, labor is valued. Like they don't, there's no formula necessarily, although Marx tries to give a, a little bit of a formula, but it ends up not really working. Right. Um, uh, huh. But so, yeah, that so sounds a lot, really inefficient, to be honest. Yes. yes. So, yeah, it, like you talk to any communist and when you ask them these types of questions, they'll, they'll sort of default to like, well, we'll decide as a community 
or we'll, you know, have some type of council where each person gets a vote or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Which at that point, then it's kind of like, well, can't the majority just steal your labor too? And it, it, it's like, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it starts to break down, in my opinion. Uh-huh. A bit. Although I'm sure, I'm sure, if any communists listen to this, I'll have DMs explaining, yeah, "You idiot! This is this isn't what we need." <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm. I have tried to uh, woo Apollo, uh, our, our mutual friend. Uh, yes. Apollo, on uh, to explain all of the shit to me because he is one of the only, if not the only. Uh, like like left anarchist and like very left anarchist we'll throw him out the helicopter uh, that i can laugh. talk to no, i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> you know he'll get the uh we'll we'll throw him out of the luxury helicopter yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry to sidetrack you go on <laughs> hmm Anyway, yeah, I want to get him on um, to essentially explain all of this shit to me um, because I feel like, and you did a great job, not not that to, to for oh, no, the record. He, for, um, no, no, him, he should to, definitely be the one to explain. He like He's very knowledgeable about these yeah, things. Yeah, like he, yeah, like he knows his shit um, and he's, uh, well, I mean, I can talk to that, that guy without um, just calling him a dirty comment that should shut the fuck up and fucking read Rothbard uh, <laughs> within like three replies. <laughs> um, man, uh, do you have anything more that you would like to add? On the communist question or on the communist topic or just in general? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> okay. Um... I don't think much more on the communist topic, but uh, if I can answer that one question real quickly mm-hmm. that you had before about agorism. Oh, yes. Maybe yes, of okay. course. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I was just, yeah, yeah it's fine. Um, what, what brought me to agorism originally was uh, I just started uh, losing faith in the idea that electoral politics was uh, achievable or actually even a good thing, right? So... Um, for me, agorism is the application of libertarian principles in a consistent manner. And that's also Konkin's definition in some sense. It's, it's the consistent action of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for agorism, it just seems like you can like logically beat people over the head so many times, right? You can beat them over and over and over with logic. And it's just sometimes it's just not going to work. Most of the time, it's not going to work for most people. But for me, agorism mm-hmm. is incredible because it also it not only does it have two primary functions, in my opinion, it starves the state, which is good, right, of course, but it also allows people to live free in their own lives, right? If you can become a good agorist, you can experience anarchism and its potential, not its full potential, but in it's a potential right. of, of anarchism, right? So it seems that just living, just living it in some sense, it will draw more people to it rather than just, you know, logically beating people over there. But some people, remember, most of the people uh, who are statists have been taught all their lives 
that everything within the state is the only option. There are no options outside the state. And this is why people vote, because they think that mm-hmm. this is the way to actualize their preferences onto society is, well, you vote, you pass a law. Uh, in America, it, it's yeah. uh, you learn very, one of the you know one of the biggest lessons you learn in school is how a bill becomes a law. It's inundated from you know very very early, but agorism gives people it gives mm-hmm. in my opinion of people a way out. And if like it, it's the practical nature of it that's really enticing because you, um, uh, uh, Cody Wilson is a good example of this. Now I don't know if Cody is technically an agorist in a specific sense, but. What he did by creating the three D, the first three D printed gun, is he had a huge symbolic victory over the state, right? And now, now that's something that just oh, can't yeah. be taken away, right? It just can't be taken away. It's it's the reality now. And what he did was better than anything mm-hmm. the LP has done ever, right? <laughs> so, yeah. it, it's like agorism shows people that no, actually we're not the spooky monsters that the state tells uh, tells you that uh, we are it's uh, we really mean we do mm-hmm. want to live in peace and we want to live you know be prosperous and all this and uh if you can live it if you can express agorism efficiently it, it's not just about starving the state it's also about living free uh, in your personal life in my opinion or that's at least a great benefit of it uh but with that with yeah. agorism in general you really can kind of uh, get over this um, roadblock where it's like, okay, people can't really can't reason out of a position they were never reasoned into in the first place, right? This is programming for a lot of people, right? For a vast majority of them. So no matter how much you logically reason, there's always going to be a fail safe in the back of their head saying danger, danger once you once they confront these principles. But if you can show them, right? If you can mm-hmm. just show them, no, this actually works. And on a local level, imagine if like you could... Uh, Imagine if you could, you know, have um, like almost a mutual aid society, but an underground mutual aid society where the state was not aware of it. Mm-hmm. But when people on, in, in your neighborhood or in your town or whatever needed help, you would provide them aid, mutual aid, right? Um, and you could do this and you could try to, in a sense, you know, outcompete the welfare state, right? Because the, what the state likes to do is they like to co-opt these things that are natural and good like uh, helping people, right? Mutual aid societies were a huge part of the past and things like that until the state essentially destroyed them through regulations and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Once, if you could just have like, just as an example, a mutual aid society, as I said, like in an underground one, you could uh, show people that no, welfare actually isn't necessary, right? And then you don't need to logically, you know, show them, oh, actually it'll work like this, 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 and this. No, it's in front of them. It's right there. It's a reality, Right. So in my opinion, that's the best way to persuade people. Agorism is, in my opinion, the most consistent application of libertarianism, and it's the best at persuading. It's not, it's not politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds like a pretty decent uh, explanation and, and uh, reason to become a, an agorist to me. Um, I wonder how much of um, uh, how does this to what extent uh, the the resistance to anarchy or the the idea of libertarianism comes from a lack of creativity. So essentially, the idea that well we can't make things work unless we put a gun in someone's face or uh, essentially right. unless we violently force them to do so 
which is a it is a very logical thing to do i would almost say it seems very it is very go to right oh you know we need uh an x amount of money to help the poor well we don't have an x amount of money to help the poor so how about we take it by gunpoint right right so yeah i wonder how much of that is just a matter of people not wanting to think creatively about how else they could obtain this money yeah yeah no it, that you're so right it is it, it is a lack of creativity it's also like this right because a lot of people are formed by their environment right so like if you grow up in a place where there is just mm-hmm. no um uh there is almost you know every all these systems run by the state and there's almost no voluntary organizations to help people like this um uh, you're going to grow up thinking, well, this is the way things are, right? And any type of change is going to rock the boat, and we don't want that. Why would we want to risk, you know, doing something that might just destroy us and fail, or as the, as the state would say, right, uh, destroy, this, you know, destroy society? Why, why would the people want to risk it? So that's why convincing people of this is very hard, and it's much easier to win people over by merely showing them, right? Because once they see it in front of their face, in front of their eyes, they have basically two choices. They can reject it and just go back, or... They can see it and understand. Huh? Okay, I, I actually, actually, this does work. And one, uh, Dad, one more little thing. Um, uh, once the state, w- once um, people can ignore the state, as easy as they can call an Uber, let's say, the state is has been dealt a death blow, <laughs> in my opinion. Right at that point, yeah. Once it's in just people's natural inclination, once it's just in their natural interest to not want to deal with, you know, the state, or oh, I can save money right? Everyone wants to save money. I can save money here just by doing this thing, right? Just by, you know, whatever, what, whether encrypted transactions or whatever, right? Things like that. Once the state, the state has lost control of guns, the gun argument is over. They're in the process of losing money through Bitcoin. That's over. And as long as we keep encryption, right? As long as encryption does not falter or fail on us, I, th- I do think the state is going to be hollowed out in, in the sense that they won't be able to enforce most of the things that they can enforce today. Right. So, uh, and like, oh, yeah. like with, with, uh, this is what the crypto anarchists talked about a lot is that you can have anarchist spaces online where the state can't reach you through encryption. And I do think that's the future in my opinion that, I mean, that's now that that's. Today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, uh, in terms of uh, who has done the most for liberty, the cypherpunks yes. are, are by far the number one. Like, Jesus. Absolutely. Encryption, Bitcoin, uh, 3D, 3D printed guns. Yes. Holy shit, man. Yes, they are absolute heroes and they do not get enough credit. Like, there's no... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there's the... the I mean, the rest of us are just like, oh, well, you know, we're going to grow cucumbers to, to <laughs> feed the state or we're going to form the most useless third party in the world oh. to defeat the state or we're just going to kill all the gays to the <laughs> oh state. Um, <laughs> um, and, and meanwhile, cypherpunks are just kind of like being being quiet nerds in their corner be like look i made bitcoin look i made a 3d printed gun look right. i made this place where 
can't read shit from what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and these are huge symbolic victories too, right? It's like, think of like oh, what yeah. Cody Wilson did, like when he created the first 3D printed gun. Yeah, that was all the way back in 2013. Think of all the people who are now 3D printing yeah. guns. And in fact, not to take anything away from Cody, he's my hero, Holy but shit, uh, even surpassed. People have yeah. like surpassed even what Cody has done, right? With all these new uh, 3D printed guns oh, and yeah. new ways of making them. It's incredible. So that, that one symbolic victory that uh, Cody accomplished just opened up so many possibilities now. More, people are more and more looking at, oh, I don't, I can just make a gun. I don't have to go to the state. I don't have to do any of this, right? You don't need to, uh, they'll never know, uh, most likely. Uh, you don't need a license really, right? And uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. absolutely yep. incredible. All, the, the, they've just been completely subverted, which is, which is what something the Libertarian Party has never done and in my opinion will never do, which is subvert the legitimacy of the state or the, its, its usefulness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, damn, this was a a good talk. I have answers oh. to all of my questions. Um, and uh, I think we have a very entertaining hour and a bit here. Uh, I hope so. I'm going to ask you again. Do you have anything uh, to add? Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think so, actually. Uh, just, uh, oh, well, I, I, see, I do have one thing. I, I see a lot of, like, anarchists that are sometimes down or black-pilled in some sense. I am completely the opposite. I mm. think this is a very hopeful time, right? Th this battle has been against the state has been going on for centuries and centuries, right? It's always been mm. going on. Uh, and we now have more access to technology uh, through like um, gun, gun democratization and cri uh, crypto and, you know, Bitcoin um, encryption. There is so many reasons to be happy that, we should not look at all the statists around and think, oh my God, we're so outnumbered. We've always been outnumbered, right? Always. So we should see all these opportunities uh, yeah. through what, you know, all the cypherpunks really and agorists have done and think, oh, wow, we're actually chipping away at the state. This is a real thing. People now have more freedom because of what these people did, right? And that's a huge win. And I think people should be very happy. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And I also want to say thank you for inviting me. This was fantastic. I, I'm so honored to be here. <laughs> well, uh, don't be honored quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, wait. What happens to your DMs oh, uh, until this, like, I'm gonna... when this publishes? <laughs> you have a hundred new messages from the Hopkins <laughs> and comedy, but I repeat myself. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. God. Oh, Jesus. Ah, oh, man. Somehow, it's always tweets that you don't expect to uh, blow up. Um. Anyway, uh, please give me all of your plugs. Oh, just uh, Ace Arcist on Ace underscore Arcist on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, if you listen to this podcast. Uh, most importantly, give me money. Um, it's an act of agorism. Just, you know, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> uh, on uh, patreon.com slash bullshito and politics, I think I'll put a link in the show notes because I am I can't be fucked to remember the exact link. Um, which, I mean, that's not a very great ad for my Patreon, but still. Um, <laughs> 
If you don't give him I money, you're also, a fan. Uh, Twitter. Yes. <laughs> you would not be a real libertarian. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter. Sometimes I say something here and people 